good morning again. Uh, I want to attempt to do something today. I'm going to, well, first of all, let me mention uh, something's been a matter of prayer for quite a while. I think uh, the Lord has given some leading on, uh, and that is uh, a book of the Bible that He would have for us to study as a church on Sundays. And Lord willing, we'll start that next week. That's the plan, unless the Lord changes that plan, which He is free to do. But uh, I do feel that um, I know where He would have us go. And so come next week. Now, about three or four months ago, we launched into a study that was topical in nature on prayer. Of course, we've had a few weeks. We've had Christmas. Last week was a bit of a New Year's uh, message, a large overview of the message. Um, and then those of you that were here about three and a half, four months ago, when I said we were going into a study of prayer, early on, I said there's a danger. The danger is, okay, we'll take a message on prayer. Okay, you got a second one. When you start doing three, four, five, six, seven, eight, and I think this may be number nine, perhaps. Okay, got it. Let's move on. Uh, it's kind of like I don't watch the cooking channel, right? Uh, why? I don't plan on cooking. I don't watch the cooking channel. It doesn't interest me. Why? I don't cook. Rarely do I cook. If so, it's the simplest of things and only out of necessity. So here we've been preaching on prayer, and here's the danger. Jeff, you're up there talking about prayer, but if people are really planning on praying, they're going to get really bored really, really quick. I realize that. That's the risk. And I hope that hasn't happened. I pleaded with you. So today, as we wrap up this series on prayer, I'm going to, because we've had about a month of looking at Christmas and some other things, and cantata and different things, I am going to use this morning, I'm going to have a long introduction in which it's going to be a review of some of the main points. So we're going to be looking at some of the fundamentals. They're going to come fast. Now you can, some of you say, I haven't been here for all of that. You, you, you may look at that and go, I'm not really interested in prayer. I want to invite you, tune in and really listen. Those of you who were here for every message or any version of between, I want to invite you, don't just tune it out right and remember that or remember that. Okay, yeah, that's right. You, you covered that a couple months ago. As you're listening, I want to plead with you, listen with strong intent to implement these things into your life. In fact, even check your life. As something is on the screen, as we're talking about it, and it's a fundamental of prayer, check yourself, is that really part of my prayer life? Maybe you're going to say, you know what, I'm, I'm okay, I could improve, I'm okay there. But some of you are going to say, wow, I really got to get better in that. That is so fundamental, that is so key. So what I want to do is I want to cover eight things. Again, this kind of be the introductory part. And then the eighth one we're going to illustrate in today's message. Uh, and it'll be kind of the second part of the message, which will be at the body there. So I'm going to hit eight things by way of fundamentals of prayer. And, and in fact, I'm going to finish, and boy, I hope I remember. Some of you have remembered, I've handed out a card that has verses on both sides, verses to assist in prayer. I've given out now, this will be the third version of this. This is the best one because it includes uh, uh, one or two more that were not on the others. I did have to delete a few passages. Listen, I have, I have 200 of them sitting up here on the front row. Don't leave without getting one. This thing is so urgent. This is a summary with the, some of the verses printed out of what we're getting ready to cover, these seven, eight things. This is so vital, I have one in all three Bibles I use. 
say, Jeff, why would you have that? I tend to forget what is on here. When I'm struggling in prayer, and you're like, oh yeah, 2018, we did that study on prayer. And it gets in the middle of 2019, and you're in a slump in your prayer life, and you don't know what's going on. Grab one of these, put it in there, and just review and go over it. I will go ahead and tell you. I'm going to probably, right now, I'm going to say what I plan on saying at the end. These seven or eight steps we're getting ready to hit, you say, that, you realize that takes time to do what you're describing? I do. You say, it may take four or five minutes to do what you're talking about, maybe even six or seven. I do. But I want you to catch what I'm about to say. I believe this with all my heart. It is better for you to spend six or seven minutes getting ready to really pray and pray five genuine sentences to God than to pray five supposed minutes that you're talking to no one about nothing. Better to pray five sentences of real connected prayer than to just go through that same old motion. So you're like, man, it takes some time to do it. Take the time. Take the time. You see on your handout, you can fill it in there, but again, the, the handout that I have after the service would have the verses included. So let's recap. We're reviewing some fundamentals of prayer, and we're going to keep using this phrase, effective prayer. Effective prayer, number one, has to have faith. Has to have faith. Where's that? Let's look at a couple. In fact, on your handout that I have the verses, has more than these verses, but it has... Uh, at least these two. Look at on the screen, or if you can follow along, Hebrews chapter 11, look at verse number 6. Hear what the Bible says. Now you're saying, well, I'm ready to tune out now. No. Read the Bible. Let it, let it instruct your prayer life. Check your prayer life by this. Here's what God's Word says. And without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For, here it comes, whoever would draw near to God, whoever will draw near to God, must believe. Must. This is a half. Effective prayer must have faith. The Bible says whoever would draw near to God must believe, and it says two things in this verse. Must believe, number one, that He exists, and the verse continues, must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. So you have to have faith, number one. And the emphasis here is the word he. It means the God of the Bible exists. So before you start, I kind of have them in order, by the way. The only thing I might would tweak is number two and number three. I might switch those. But right out of the gate, guys, before you start praying, you have to have faith that God, the God of the Bible, exists and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. So what does that mean? Jeff, what's this reward? What's this reward? Does that mean if I believe then God's going to give me healing. If I believe, God's going to give me a job promotion. That's not the reward. Think about it. So the Bible says if we have faith, and I do, and I'm approaching God, He's going to reward. I bet our team wins tomorrow night. He's going to reward. Think with me. What is the reward? It's in the verse. Read the verse again. The reward is built into the verse. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. I really believe, God, that You reward those who seek You. Reward with what? Him. 
That's what it is. Hey, guys, if you're just saying words in your prayers that are going nowhere to no one, you're like, I don't feel anything. I've never had a God encounter. You guys talk about God encounter. If you're not having God encounters in your prayer life, this is the problem. Here's the thing. You've got to go in with faith. God, you said, if I seek you, I believe you exist. And God, I believe you're going to honor this. If I seek you, then I'm going to encounter you. You're going to reward me, not because I've earned it, but God, you're just going to grace me with your presence. That's the kind of prayer I want today. Do you have faith? Same concept. Let's just flip a few pages over if you're in your Bibles. James chapter 1. Look at verse 5 here. Verses 5 through 8. This is one I use often. Maybe when it comes to prayer, I use this passage as much as any to review in my mind. James 1 verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom... A lot of us lack wisdom. You say, what is this wisdom? This wisdom is the ability to recognize the path. Oh, there's a path. There's a, I can do that, that, that. Which one pleases God? So wisdom is the ability, by God's help, to recognize the path that pleases God. Watch this. And the inclination to choose that path. Some of you are like, man, I need some wisdom. Here's your Bible. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. Prayer. God, would you give me wisdom in this area? Who gives, God, who gives generously to all without reproach. Watch what the Bible says. And it will be given him. All kinds of people. God, I need your wisdom in this. Which one is it? What's the path? What pleases you the most? God's going to show it to you. It will be given. But, well, time out. Here's the condition. Let him ask in faith. With no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. That person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. I just don't feel like God's been giving me. I've been praying for wisdom. I don't feel like God's been giving me any of that. Have you been expecting him to give it to you? Faith says, God, uh, Lord, if you don't mind, I'm going to read you your word. Nothing wrong with that. God, you and your word say right here, if any of you lack wisdom, that's me. Ask of God, that's you. I'm not being smart. Lord, I just want to take you up on your offer here. You give generously to all without reproach, and you said it will be given. So, God, I need some wisdom. I want to know the path in this area that pleases you, and God, direct my heart, and I expect you to do it. And God, I'm looking forward to it. Faith. Number two, effective kind of prayer must be in Jesus' name. Must be. The only thing, again, I said I'm going kind of in order here. The only thing I might would tweak is two and three. They're almost, these one, two, and three are almost synonymous in their timing. John chapter 16. Let me give you a real brief background. Effective kind of prayer. So you say, yeah, I know, I know, know, know what that means. That means you pray real long, and at the end you say, in Jesus' name, amen, and God has to do it. Wrong, wrong, wrong. Say, so what is this whole praying in Jesus' name? Jesus is about to leave the earth. He's talking to his disciples. Here's what he says. Hey, guys, you're not going to see me. Very soon, you're not going to see me. And you're going to weep and lament, and then you're going to see me. And when you see me, your weeping and lamenting is going to be turned to joy, and nobody's ever going to be able to turn your joy off. What is he talking about? What he's talking about is, I'm about to die. They're going to bury me. You guys are not going to see me. You're going to be brokenhearted and confused. Three days later, I'm coming back to life, and I'm going to be presenting myself to you. You guys are going to be so convinced. No one can ever convince you that I did not come back from the dead. So you're, right now, you have me. You're not going to see me. You're going to weep, lament, sorrow, and then it's going to turn to joy, unending joy. In the midst of that, watch this, verse 23. In that day, that's the context. In that day, after my resurrection, watch what Jesus says to his disciples. You will ask nothing of me. So there's some destruction I didn't pound on in our study. There's some lessons about who to pray to 
mainly, mainly pray to. This is not forbidding. It's just saying here's the main way that you pray. In that day, after his resurrection, Jesus says to his disciples, that includes us, you will ask me nothing. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. He will give it to you. Ask in my name. Until now, you've asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive that your joy may be full. Now watch. Jesus is not saying, hey, he could have done this. Hey, fellas, what I'm about to do is going to make a way for you to really pray. I'm just letting you know. What I'm doing on the cross and my resurrection is going to make a way for you to pray. Hear this. He's not saying that. He's saying all of that and take the step before you pray to acknowledge my name. Before you launch out praying to God, acknowledge, God, I'm only to come into you by Jesus' name. I have no audience with you. God, I am I'm consciously... You say, Jeff, it's going to take six, seven, eight minutes just to get ready. I realize. You stop. Pause. God, I am consciously confessing the name of Jesus, the person of Jesus. Only through Him do I have an audience with you. Jesus is saying, take this step. Take the step. To illustrate that further, Hebrews chapter 10, same point. Effective prayer must be in Jesus' name. Hebrews chapter 10, look at verse number 19. The writer of the Hebrews tells us as Christians, Therefore, brothers, I'm going to make a bold statement here a moment. Hang on. Therefore, brothers, which means brothers and sisters, since we have confidence, oh, faith, to enter the holy places. That's that picture of the temple where nobody really went but the high priest. Once a year, behind the curtain, you don't go in there. That's where the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God's in there. Now, here's what the writer of Hebrews says. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places, how? By the blood of Jesus. By the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain. Oh, we've got to go through a curtain like the Old Testament. I don't know. Through the curtain. That is through his flesh. So if you'll picture it this way, there's God, and if you're going to get to God, you have to go through Jesus' broken body. That's the curtain, his body that was shed and ripped on a cross. You have to go through Christ to get... Now, here's, here's what this means. I'm telling you, only Christians can truly pray. You say, well, I'm not a Christian, but God, I pray to God all the time. He's receiving my prayers. No, he's not, because you're not going to him through Jesus' shed blood. This brings in humility. This applies to humility. God, I have no business talking to you. You're the king. I'm going into the throne room of the universe, the operations room. It's you and it's little me. But God, you said in your word, I can come through Christ. And so, Lord, well, I don't know why, but you made a law. And so I'm coming through Jesus. Verse number 20, 21. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, that's Jesus. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Effective prayer. Guys, you got to do it. Faith. You are. You exist. You reward. God, I'm coming by Jesus. I'm claiming His blood has cleansed all my sins, even the ones I haven't even committed yet. Number three, effective prayer must be to God. Can we have Acts chapter 12, verse number 5? We looked at this verse in length a few, several weeks ago, a couple months ago. Look at the text. Acts chapter 12, verse number 5 To God. Effective prayer must be to God. Watch what the Bible says. So Peter was kept in prison. That's bad. But earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. Watch these little two-word couplets. But earnest prayer. That's effective prayer. For him. Prayer for him. 
was made. We'll talk about that in a minute. Prayer was made. They just didn't get together and have hot chocolate and glad hand and back slap and call it a prayer meeting. Hey, that was great. When did we got together to pray? Did we ever pray? I don't think we ever prayed. Oh. Earnest prayer for him was made, watch this, to God by the church. Only true Christians can pray. R.A. Torrey helped me so much. I've quoted this so many times. He really spoke to me probably three years ago when I read this. Hear me. We must have a definite and vivid realization God is bending over us as we pray. I've just given you three things. You see them on the screen. Watch this. As you get ready to pray, have faith that God exists, that he does reward. Come by Jesus' name and pray to God as a person. I'm going I'm to advise you, don't start saying anything until you realize God is bending over you and you're talking to a person. Many people struggle right there. They don't talk to a person. They're like just in a room and like just talking out to nothing to God. Number four, effective prayer must begin with confession. Effective prayer early on in the prayer. Prayer must begin with confession. Psalm 66 verse 18. The psalmist correctly says, If I had cherished. This instructs us in our prayer. If I had cherished iniquity. I know it's there. I'm protecting it. Harboring it. Loving it. I kinda, I, I'm confessing these other things. But I, this one area of sin, I'm not ready to give it up. No. If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. Now the psalmist later on is going to say, God heard me. But he knows if I had cherished iniquity, God's not going to hear. Do you have iniquity in your heart this morning? Do you have known sin that you're guarding and cherishing, protecting? If so, watch what the Bible says, 1 John chapter 1, verse number 9. Here's the Bible. You have to begin with confession. If we confess, so God, I'm not going to hide my transgressions. I'm not going to deny them. God, I'm going to confess. You're right. I'm wrong. You said, you've pointed these things out. If we confess our sins, he is faithful. He's faithful. He's faithful. He's faithful. And just, God says, I have the right to do this. I can forgive. He is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What's it writing on? Confession, number five. Effective prayers and faith. It's in Jesus' name. It is to God. Begins with confession, but it also includes, what is it? Anybody remember that one? Philippians 4. Thanksgiving. What's what? Philippians 4, verse number 6. Philippians 4, verse number 6. Now hear me. Somebody in here, you need this right now. Right before this, so we're jumping into a sentence. The Bible says, for the Lord is at hand. The Lord is at hand. He's coming back soon. Paul's saying the Lord is at hand. Watch. Do not be anxious about anything. There's somebody you're right here. You're here this morning, and you're all bound up because what tomorrow holds or what Tuesday holds or what's coming up next, and you're just all bound up. Here's what the Bible says. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer. Prayer is asking God. Would you please? By prayer and supplication. You say supplication, prayer, same thing. Supplication is probably prayer on steroids because supplication is coming from lack. God, I'm lacking this. So by prayer, I'm asking. Supplication, God, please, I'm begging. We have to have this. With thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Let your request, but do it with thanksgiving. Guys, don't be one of these. Give me, give me, give me, give me. Got to go. God, I'm back. Oh, you're back. Give me, give me, give me. I got to go. Don't do that. Begin with some thanksgiving. Number six. Go to James chapter four. James chapter four. We're going to get six and seven here. James chapter four. 
Verse number two, you'll see the next one. You desire. James 4 verse 2, effective prayer must be prayed. Has to be prayed. The Bible says you desire and do not have. Well, that describes me sometimes. You don't really want it, but you don't have it. So what do we do? So you murder. That could be literal he's talking about or this fighting that he refers to back in verse 1. You desire and do not have. This is about prayer. Let's review prayer here. Watch. So you murder. You covet and cannot obtain. So you fight and quarrel. Man-made methods. I'll just do it myself. You do not have. The Bible says because you do not ask. I believe of this list, probably the number one reason many Christians do not have answered prayers is because they don't have any prayed prayers. People sitting right here, I'm not being mean. I promise I'm not trying to be mean, but there are people sitting here right now, you, you cannot remember the last time you really had a face-to-face with God and asked Him for something. You're not asking. Let your request be made known to God. You don't have because you've not been asking. The next one must be for God's will. Look at verse number three. So we got to ask, but when you ask, you must ask for things according to God's will. You must ask for things according to God's will. Verse number three of James four, you ask. So verse two, that group doesn't ask. Verse three, different group, you ask. You're praying, you're asking, but you do not receive. Why? Because you ask wrongly. Is it the technique that you're using is wrong? No, the verse tells us. You're asking wrongly to spend it on your passions. Literally, it's this. It's not the, hey, give me, give me, give me, and leave. It's similar. Watch. It's Santa Claus. God, oh, there you are. Here's my list. And what's on your list? Well, I'd like to, again, I'd like to win the lottery. That'd be great. And I really would like to win the championship. And I need a promotion. And would you heal all my loved ones? And would you, and this, and we need that new house. And I really would like that, that new sports car. And you're like, in Jesus' name, amen. And off you go. I've been praying, and God's just not answering my prayers. I've really been praying. I've done these over and over. I've been praying 10 days straight and still haven't won the lottery. You're asking so that you can spend it on your lust. 1 John chapter 5, very important passage here. We looked at it. Let's review it quickly. 1 John 5. 1 John 5, verse number 14. And this is the confidence. So we're supposed to have this confidence, this faith, Jesus' name. Praying to a real person, to God, like we're aware of his definite, conscious, vivid realization of him bending over us. This is the confidence that we have toward him. That if we ask anything according to his will, if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Okay, so he hears us. Wonderful. Watch. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. If I pray according to things in his will, he's going to hear and we're going to get those things. I know if he's hearing, which means here receiving my prayer, I'm going to get it. Now, it may be a little while. It may be a form of it I'm not expecting, but we're going to get this thing because it's a prayer according to his will. Hey, hang with me. Watch this. How do you know what my will is? Feel free to answer out loud. How do I, I tell you? How do we know what God's will is? Well, I need to pray according to God's will. I wonder what His will is. Pray Bible prayers. Pray the Bible. You want to know what God's will is? I need some prayers answered. Start praying Bible prayers. Start praying Bible passages. Try it. 
Scratch off the lottery and the sports car. Stop doing that. Start praying for real things that matter in this life. So I said seven, eight things. This next one I want to illustrate with two passages. I'm not going to tell you what it is yet. There's another fundamental I alluded to several weeks ago, a couple months ago. It is extremely important. I want you to discover it as we look at three of Paul's prayers this morning. Two, we're going to kind of fly through, and then we're going to spend a little time in the third one. I want you to watch. So we're getting ready to go look at a couple of prayers of Paul. Go to Ephesians chapter 1. Let's read these in Ephesians chapter 1. As we're doing this, I want you to think. Now, what do I notice about these prayers of Paul? Ephesians chapter 1. Again, I'm not going to get bogged down here. We're going to hit it quickly. Ephesians 1, verse number 15. He's introducing himself. Boy, he's hit some really heavy-duty, deep, eternity past that have present and future ramifications of God's sovereignty and God's, God's choosing and, and God's foreknowledge. and his, All these things are covered in verses 3 through 14. Watch. Verse 15. For this reason, Ephesians, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus. Here's Paul's prayer. Here it comes. I want you to be looking. Now, what are we supposed to notice about Paul's prayer? I want to really get it this time. I'm going to get it before Jeff even tells me what it is. Lord, show me what it is. Verse 15. For this reason, because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love toward all the saints. I've heard of your faith, Ephesians. I've heard of your love. By the way, Paul's seen a lot of this firsthand. Because of that, I do not cease to give thanks for you. God, thank you for those Ephesians. I do not cease to give thanks for you. Remembering you in my prayers. Remembering you in my prayers. Here comes his prayer. Here it is. What do you notice? My prayers. Verse 17. Prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him. Paul, what are you praying? That He may give you the spirit of wisdom, of revelation, in the knowledge of Him. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. Why? That you may know three things. What is the hope to which He has called you? God, let those Ephesians get revelation and wisdom and enlightenment about what is the hope to which you have called them. Secondly, what are the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints? God, give them a clue about the inheritance that's coming. Verse 19. And what is the immeasurable greatness of His power toward us who believe according to the working of His great might? And I'm going to stop in the middle of a sentence. You get the point. Do you see what He's doing? God, give them the spirit of revelation so that they have wisdom and knowledge of these things, of their hope, of the inheritance, and of how powerful you... God, guys, God is far more powerful than we're, we're tapping into. Way more powerful than we've been tapping into. Leave there, flip over to Colossians 1. So that's Ephesians 1. We didn't have time to look at Ephesians 3. Very similar. Colossians 1 is a passage I've looked at here on two different occasions. I love this particular prayer. Verse number nine, uh, jump into verse 9. Now, Paul did not start the church in Colossae, so here's what he says. Verse 9. City called Colossae, believers there. And so, from the day we heard, heard there was a group of believers down in Colossae. From the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. 
What are you praying, Paul? Watch this. This is beautiful. Asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will. That is the prayer request. Paul says, Colossians, I'm praying you'll be filled with the experiential knowledge of His will. How? Two things. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Paul says, I'm praying you'll be filled with the knowledge, the experiential knowledge of His will in Sophia. Spiritual wisdom. Know the principles of the Word of God. And how to apply them in your day. For us, it's 2019. Here's the principles of the Word of God, God, and here's how to apply that. I pray, God, if those two things happen, then this one will be happening. So what would be the result of that? Verse 10. So as, Paul, what you praying? So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, number one. Fully pleasing to Him, number two. Bearing fruit in every good work, number three. And increasing in the knowledge of God, number four. Here comes another request. May you, God, may, I've been praying, hey Colossians, here's what I'm praying. May you be strengthened with all power according to His glorious might. Power for what? What good would that do me? For all endurance and patience with joy. You'll be able to endure difficult situations. You'll be patient with difficult people. And you'll keep your joy so much so that, verse 12, giving thanks. You'll not stop giving thanks to the Father who's qualified you to share the inheritance of the saints in light. I've read two passages of Paul. What did you see? Do Paul's prayers sound like your prayers? Now, Lord, let me win the lottery. Show me that winning number. God, give me that promotion. Lord, heal, 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 heal. God, let this work, let that work. That's not this. Did y'all notice any particular thing about this, these prayers of Paul? You should have noticed three things. Number one, they're very connected This ties to that, which ties to that and that, and there's all these layers. Number two, did you notice they're very spiritual prayers? Very spiritual prayers. Number three, they're very... Anybody want to give me the main word I'm looking at? Say it louder. They're very specific. Very specific. I want to propose to you, when you pray a fundamental... You say, I want some effective prayer. Start praying specifically. Specific prayer is important. Watch. We've learned in our prayer series. We're supposed to have adoration and confession and thanksgiving and supplication. Watch. Adoration. Lord, I adore you for who you are. What do you adore? God, don't don't do this. No, Lord, forgive me of all my sins. Hey, I confess my sins. Which ones? Name them. Go over the mind, the eyes, the ears, the mouth, the hands, and the feet. Thanksgiving. Lord, thank you for all your blessings. Stop doing that. You haven't thanked him for any blessings. God, thank you for this and that and always hit the most important things and every day hit some fresh things that you haven't really thanked him for. Keep hitting the main things daily. Supplication. Don't do this. I've said this. God, be with all the sick. Lord, be with all the missionaries. One, we don't know what be with means. And number two, all, that's not very effective. Pray this, Lord, would you be with David Kyle Sr. following that four bypass surgery the other day? And Lord, how they had to go into the heart to get to the one artery, the one vessel. 
And Lord, they had to repair and do stitches all the way out the heart. And so Lord, he, he, he's at a time now where it's very crucial the next day or two. Lord, just touch his body. Be with the Connards and be with the Waters. And Lord, be with the, the Buforts and on down the line. God, would you help their ministries? Lord, keep them encouraged. Give them converts. Lord, don't let them be lonely. Name these missionaries. Being specific is key. Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. Now, I'm going to check my time. <clears throat> We're going to look at verses 1 through 11. <clears throat> Philippians 1, verses 1 through 11. You should see the same principle. But this time when we get to verse 9, 10, 11, I want us to spend just a few minutes looking at this particular prayer of Paul. So we have eight fundamentals. Prayer must be with faith, in Jesus' name, to God, with confession, with thanksgiving, prayed for God's will, for specific things. Verse 1. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. Timothy was on the trip on the second missionary journey when the Philippian church was founded. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. To all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, a very specific city. With the overseers and deacons. What that means? With the pastor, elder, bishops there and the deacons that are there. So it's the whole congregation and these officers. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Watch what Paul says. Very personal. Philippians. He's been there. He knows them. I thank my God in, watch this, all my remembrance of you. All my remembrance. He's implying a lot of remembering. Always in every prayer of mine. Paul is not saying, hey, I thought about you guys once. I'm going to write you a letter. He didn't say, hey, one time I prayed for you. No, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making my prayers with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. You guys are in the same grace that I'm in. You guys have the same salvation. And you guys have been partnering with me in my ministry spreading the gospel. So much so that Paul says in verse 6, we looked at this last week, and I am sure of this, I'm sure of this, that he, I didn't start that church, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It's right for me to feel this way about you all. Because I, watch this, I hold you in my heart, for you all are partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment, that's where Paul's at when he writes this, and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, why anyone who doesn't mean what they're saying would say how verse 8 starts, this would be crazy if you don't mean it. Paul says, For God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. Here's his prayer. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Guys, I'm going to propose to you, I cannot guarantee this. I'm going to share my heart with you. I really believe this. I think the Philippian church is Paul's favorite church. 
he founded at least a dozen or more churches, I believe. Now, he loved the Ephesians. They're probably right there. Galatians, he's very frustrated. Corinthians, you guys just don't get it. But he loves the Philippians. The evidence is all in here. He says, I thank my God in all my... I think of you guys all the time. All my prayers. This is a real historical event. Over and over, Paul is saying, I get on my knees and I pray real prayers for you. Here's what I learned from that. There are people that we think about. He uses the word heart, affection, yearning. It literally means the idea, in my stomach. In the pit of my stomach, like lovesickness. When I think of you guys, I just get that, that, that good kind of lovesick ache when I think of you. I think of you all the time. You're at, man, I just have these strong, intense emotions for you. But guys, you can think about people. You can feel good about people. How many people are on your prayer list? For somebody to make your prayer list on a regular basis, they're really up there. Paul's saying, I pray for you all the time. And here's how I pray. Very, very specifically. Very spiritual prayer. You just read it. What Paul is saying is, I love you. This is not, don't take it wrong. Paul's saying, I love you way too much to only pray physical prayers. Most church prayer lists is physical need, physical need, physical need, physical, physical, physical. Very little spiritual. Paul is not saying it's wrong to pray for physical needs. What he's saying is, I love you too much to only pray for physical needs. I'm going to pray for your spiritual well-being. Now, as I look at verse 9, 10, 11, would you read it one more time? And then I'm going to go into the text for just a little bit. Verse 9. It is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of His righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. We're talking about prayer today, very specific, very spiritual. I'm going to tell you guys, I've looked at this, again, just being honest, I've probably read these verses, I'm comfortable in saying this, over 100 times. I still struggle with this. I'm going to do different today than I've done before. I don't know if this is one main request with subpoints. Is this two requests, which I'm taking that approach today? You can see on your outline. Two requests with subpoints. Or is it three, which I've thought in the past? Is it five main requests? I've battled with this. Doing it this week, I changed my mind. I'm like, no, it might be one main request. But I think it's two that are in our lot. Here's what I know Paul's prayers are connected. Watch this. They're kind of like dominoes. He prays this so that when it happens, it enacts this, which enacts this, which enacts this. Or if you want to think of it this way, picture a stream. And water's coming down from the stream. And because of what's happening up there, there's water comes into this pool and it just starts filling up. Uh oh, that pool's full. That's beautiful. Watch. Oh, some's going to go over there and over there. And it's going to get together, make a channel, and it's going to go over here. Uh oh, now there's three smaller pools here, which all make together. and got a little rapids and they go down into a bigger pool. What's happening up here is affecting what's down here. Paul's prayers are cause leads to effect, which becomes a new cause, which leads to another effect. That's how his prayer is in all three passages we looked at. Number one, what is his prayer? It's a prayer for love to abound. It's a prayer for love to abound. Paul? Of all the things you could have prayed for the Philippians, why love? 
I think I will quote John MacArthur three times. If I have time, I'll use three quotes. Here's the first. Why love? Watch. MacArthur writes the following. Love is the supreme virtue. Love is the supreme virtue. It's the supreme thing. Paul, why of all things? Because love is the supreme virtue. He continues. It's the supreme virtue that encompasses all other virtues. And then MacArthur makes a, a, a bold statement of love. He says, it is more important than speaking in tongues, prophecy, theological knowledge, faith, sacrificial generosity, even martyrdom. What a list. More important than speaking in tongues. Love, more important. Guys, there are churches. Their identity is they're the tongue-speaking church. Love is more important. He says it's more important than prophecy. Prophecy is not just predicting. It's mainly proclaiming. I believe it's particularly the idea of preaching. It can mean this. God gives this person a word for this person. And when they share it with them, it might be a rebuke or an encouragement or instruction. And this person's like, you've been reading my emails. You've got my diary. No, God just told me to, this is what you need. That is amazing. It could be preaching or... Pre Listen, we're a preaching church. Love, more important than preaching. He continues. It's more important than speaking in tongues, prophecy, theological knowledge. Very important. We're going to get to that. Faith. This ain't faith that's getting saved. This is after a person is saved. Faith that they see great results in their prayer life. Sacrificial generosity, even martyrdom. Where in the world does MacArthur get off saying such things? Do y'all know? 1 Corinthians 13... That's exactly right. Look at verses 1 through 3. Paul says, If I speak in the tongues of men, know them all, and of angels, even speak angelic language, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers, man, that guy can preach. Man, he gets a word from God. It is so accurate and timely. He says, If I understand all mysteries and all knowledge, man, you want to know something, just go ask her. Just go ask him. It's amazing that they... He says, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, this person prays and amazing things happen. He says, but have not love, I'm nothing. If I give away all I have, I've never seen anyone so generous that they, are just, they just give it away. What a conduit. God blesses, they give it away. He says, if I give all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love, the Bible, guys, is so clear. Watch. I'm going to say this. If you ever do this, when you come face to face with God, there's no greater request that you can pray for someone than God, let them love. Grow their love. If you ever say, oh, Pastor Jeff, what can I pray for you? I may have some specific things, but the always needed prayer is, God, would you cause his love to abound yet more and more? Why? The Bible is clear of the place of love. Number one, it is the greatest commandment. Love God. You say, I want to just obey God. Then love God and love people. It's the greatest. Same chapter, 1 Corinthians 13 tells us, right now there's faith, which is great. There's hope, which is great. And there's love. But of those three, love is the greatest. Wow, more than faith? Even greater than hope. Yes. Why? Watch this. Because love, this is important, love will remain in eternity when prophecy and tongues and knowledge have been brought to an end. 
when knowledge and prophecy and tongues. Do y'all know when we get to heaven, we're not going to do this. Hey, everybody gather around. I've got a message. Hey, let's go see what, what he's got. Not going to do it. No one's going to be up there. The gift of tongues long gone. Hey, guess what? This conversation will not happen. I know French. <laughs> really? Yeah. And Russian. Wow, that's impressive. And I know Portuguese and Latin and Swahili. <laughs> that's awesome. You want me to use it? No, nah, what we're doing is fine. This is good. I don't need to hear that. But, but I really want it. No, nah, it's just not that important. This is fine. Over here, someone says, hey, guys, I've got some knowledge. You got some knowledge about what? God. Got some knowledge about what? What's your knowledge? <laughs> He's big. You're right. Oh, no, no, no. He's beautiful. You're right. He's really strong. Yep, you're right. He's holy. You're right. Everybody knows that. Love keeps going. But here's what I struggle with. The Philippian church is probably the most loving church Paul has. Maybe the Ephesians and maybe the Thessalonians, the Ephesians are eventually going to leave their first love. I don't know if the Philippians do or not. Paul, they love. They already prove their love. Watch this. How do they prove their love? They give to Paul. They don't just say, hey, we love you. Glad hand, backslap. No. Paul, we love God and we love you and we love soul, soul so much. They give and support Paul's ministry. Watch three, these three words. I held up two fingers. I meant three. Watch. They gave to his ministry early, continuously, sacrificially. He just leaves Philippi. Gets beat. Has to leave town. Commanded. To keep the work going. He goes on. Hits a little small town. Hits another little small town. Gets down to Thessalonica. Just a few days. He starts doing a great work of God in Thessalonica. Here comes somebody. Hey, dude. Good to see you. Hey, it's a buddy of mine down from Philippi. What you doing here? Uh, we, we brought this. Well, what, what is this? We're just. Fellas. You got. What in the world? We, we just believe in what you're doing. We know there's people who haven't heard what you've been telling us about Jesus dying. For us. We just want you, we just want to invest in what you're doing. Wow. He ministers some more before he leaves town. Here, you're back. Hey, we got some more. We got some more. Are you kidding me? Love. In their resources. Later on, Paul's going to do a collection for the poor people in Jerusalem. He's going to talk about the Philippian and the Thessalonican church. You know what he's going to say? And out of their deep poverty, they gave sacrificially. They loved Paul. They loved souls. They loved Christ. Here's my question. Paul, why don't you just say, you guys really love, keep it up. You know what he does? You love, you guys love. If any church loves, you love. You know what I'm praying? That your love abounds more and more. Grace for you. You love probably more than any church I've been in. I sense it in you. But I'm praying that you will love more and more and more. You say, Jeff, I'm struggling with my love. How do we love God more? Choose Him over other things. Do this. Listen, this is not in a handout. This happened later. Just really do this. On a regular basis, choose Him over other things. 
Spend time with Him in very concentrated talks and thought. Seek to draw close to Him. You say, I'm struggling my love. Try to draw close to Him. It'll help. Watch this. Consider, just stop, consider more fully all the good things He's been doing for you. You say, I'm struggling with my love. More time. Choose Him over other things. I want you. I'm seeking you. I'm thinking of you. Look at all these blessings. And your love starts building. But I'm going to tell you the main way to love more. It's point number two. Point number two is the main way to love more. Look at verse 9. He says, I pray that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment. His second, and by the way, this is a two request. Today I'm taking this stance not super strong. Today's stance is this is a two main point prayer. The prayer is for knowledge and discernment. A prayer for love to abound and a prayer for knowledge and discernment. I'm going to say something, I'm going to say it quicker than I anticipated. For time's sake, I want you to take this home and just chew on it. It's going to sound simple. Go home and chew on it. Here it comes. Paul says, I'm praying for love that abounds more and more with knowledge and discernment. With knowledge and discernment. What is this knowledge? It's not, he's not praying, Lord, give him more knowledge of history, more knowledge of fashion, technology, grammar, Science, medicine, business. You say, are those bad things? Those are wonderful things. That's, that's your field. Grow in the knowledge of that. What he's praying for his people. Hear me. I'm praying you'll grow in the knowledge of God. Why? Here comes the sentences. Go home and just think how these are real simple sounding, but they're important. Why? Knowledge and love are connected. Knowledge and love are connected. That's the request. Verse 9 is the two requests. They really blend into one. I'm praying for love. That, I pray for love that grows in its knowledge. And I'm praying for knowledge that leads to love. Why? Here it comes. Knowledge and love are connected. How? Love for God leads to a desire to know Him better. God, I love you. I want to know you better. If you know God better, you will love Him more. I can say that quite confidently. There is one area that I'm thinking, well, there is this one thing. I don't know that it leads people to love God more. God's sovereignty, learning of that sovereignty will at first may throw you back, but it will not cause you to love Him less. It will actually cause you to appreciate grace even more. So keep plowing through. Come to this determination. God, let me know you because when I know you, I grow in my love. And my love for you makes me want to know you. Man, these are connected. What about God's love? So I guess God will grow in his love toward us and we'll grow in our love toward God. No, no, no. Uh-uh. Watch. Love and knowledge are connected. That's why this next sentence is true. God's love cannot increase. God will never love you more than he loves you right now. He will not love you less than he loves you right now. Why? Because God already knows all things. God's not going to discover, hey, I just found out something new about Bartlett down there. I really like that guy more than I did yesterday. No. He's not going to love me less. I thought I loved that guy and I found it. Did you see what he did? I don't love him anymore. Not going to happen. God's love cannot increase because he already knows all things. Watch this. But our love for him increases in proportion to knowing him more fully. So that's the prayer. The prayer is verse 9. I spent the most time on verse 9. Here's the prayer. Lord, let their love abound. Let them grow in their knowledge that will lead to more love and let their love cause them to pursue more knowledge. Watch. Watch this. 
Knowledge, watch, fuels love. Knowledge enables discernment. Knowledge of God, look, fuels my love. Knowledge enables discernment. Do you love God? Answer in your head. Do I love God? Is your love abounding? Do you know God? Is your knowledge, listen, is your knowledge of God growing? I mean this. You say, if you could say this, Jeff, I've been coming to Grace View for a year, year and a half, and I just am not growing in my knowledge of God. Stop coming. Don't come here. Don't go to a church that you don't grow in the knowledge of God. But if you can honestly say, I want to know more of God, then it's my job and our job to provoke each other to love and to good works. Let's learn of God together, and I believe we're going to love Him and serve Him more from our heart. You've got to do that. It's important. Don't waste your time somewhere where you're not growing in the knowledge of God. Pray for it. God, grow my love. God, grow my knowledge. Why? Because it leads to three results. Verse 9 leads to verse 10. Paul, why are you praying for love and knowledge? So that you may approve what is excellent. There it is. If we, verse 9 happens, then verse 10 is going to happen. What will happen? Number one. We are able to approve what is excellent. I'm not going to be long here. Just watch this. It's an important point. We're going to approve what is excellent. This is not this. This is not this approval. Hey, what do you think about this one? Eh, little 70s. Oh, that's kind of back in. Eh, okay. Or, hey, got this report. Getting ready to send it out to the whole company. Do you approve of it? Eh, yeah, get rid of the third paragraph. Keep everything else. That's not this. What's your opinion? That's not this. This approval is something very specific. Write this down. Knowledge allows us to know what God likes and dislikes. I'm growing in knowledge of God through His Word, through the Spirit, even through nature, through conscience, through the providence of God, mainly through the Word of God, the Holy Spirit. I'm growing in the knowledge of God. I'm learning more and more what He likes and what He doesn't like. Watch this. Love for God causes me to adjust my life accordingly. I'm going to move away from those things and I'm going to start moving toward these things. Love and knowledge are always connected. So Paul is praying for love and knowledge. Why? Getting technical here, I know, but hang with me. You say, so we'll worship and praise Him more. We need to grow in our knowledge so we'll worship Him in spirit and in truth. That is true, but watch. It's not just our worship, it's our living. Verse 10 is the key. Always look for these key words. The word so is big here. Look at verse 10. So that. Paul, why are you praying verse 9? So that you may approve what is excellent. He's saying if verse 9 happens, it, is, it will result so that you can approve what is excellent. Second quote from MacArthur. Actually, this is a series of quotes. Some of them not specific, but a general idea. Here it is. Ready? What does this approve? I'm going to hit this word and word approve. What does this approve? It sounds important. He says approve means it's described, approved, described, assaying metals and coins for genuineness. You're thinking about investing into eight ounces of supposed gold. Don't you want to look at it and have it inspect? Hey, dude, buddy of mine, can you look? Are these like real coins? This is the real deal, man. Or <laughs> they're trying to say this is real gold? They're pulling your leg, man. They want about 10000 of your dollars, and they're going to give you about $500 worth of material. 
It means to assay metals and coins for genuineness. Here's, he continues. It means to carefully identify what is the best, the most important. Love, knowledge. Why? I can approve the best, the most important. He continues. This idea of approve calls for believers to study, investigate, and determine the best possible ways to obey and please the Lord. Lord, what's the best possible ways? In your handout, here's a quote from MacArthur. In this word approve, he says, Paul is not speaking of distinguishing good from evil. If I have verse 9, I can distinguish good from evil. That's good and that's evil. That's not all that he's talking about. He says that only requires a basic knowledge of God's Word. doesn't require a lot. Those are good. Those are bad. Watch this. This is important. He says the idea here is rather the desire and ability to rightly discover the things that are excellent. Hang with me. Watch this. It's more than these are good and these are wrong. Loving knowledge of God leads to when I start looking at the good. Watch. There are levels this is good. This is better than that. But this is better than the better that was better than that. And this is better than... Here's this quote. It's the desire and ability to rightly discover the things that are excellent so that believers can live their lives at the highest level of spiritual devotion and obedience. What he means is, what if 2019 were the year that you had the most impact, lived the best life for God, not your best life, your best life in Christ, His best life through you. Jeff, I'm still just not getting it. Before I leave this point, I'm going to try to make it plain. You ready? There are many, many, many books. Hear me. There are many books. I've got hundreds in my office right now. We have hundreds on the other side of that wall. Hundreds. I've not read them all. There are many books, there are many shows, many radio stations, many television shows, many programs. There are many foods, many drinks, many clothes, many activities, many, many songs, many causes, many causes, many churches. Books, shows, foods, drinks, clothes, activities, songs, shows. Again, causes. That's a good cause. That's a good one. That's a good one. Churches all over. Listen, it's not always about what's right and wrong. It's about what God's will is for you. Of all the books. Well, these are the bad ones. Okay, well, here's the good ones. You can't read them all. Paul says if you have verse 9, you'll be able to approve, really study it out, which are the best ones. Which are the ones for God's will for me? Which drinks do I need? I get it. These are all fine. Which are the ones for me? Which are the clothes for me? Which are the songs for me? Which radio station do I need to be listening to? Many causes. Oh, I thought about even saying this. I'm connected to three ministries that ceased in 2018. We may go back to Awana. We may go back to Awana someday, but we're not doing Awana right now after like six or seven years. Why? Because we evaluated that for our church where we're at, and that's a great cause. And one is a great cause. Again, we may go back there, but God had something else for us to do for our children on Wednesday night. Another ministry, wonderful things. It just wasn't God's will for us right now at this time in our ministry. What I'm telling you guys, 
This approving means you're sometimes going to have to say no to some good things. To save room for the excellent things. It's three days in Disney World. Woohoo! We've got three days, Disney World. What's the problem with that? You got four parks. That means you're going to have to get real creative. You got that park hopper pass? Okay, great. We're going to conquer all. You cannot conquer all four parks in three days. You cannot do it. You're going to have to get the map out and say, everybody's going to say, I want to do this. All right. Everybody pick their thing. All right. Got a second thing? Can't do it all. Invest in the best. If we do, look at the middle of verse 10. And so, be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. What will happen? If verse 9 of verse 10a happens, then verse 10b will happen, which will be this, we become more pure and blameless. Hurriedly, let me touch this. Knowledge leads to love. Loving knowledge. Love leads me to want to know God. Loving knowledge of God causes me to be able to approve the excellent things. Watch. If I choose and live the excellent life, then I will be pure and blameless. Last time borrowing from MacArthur because this word pure has a special meaning. You want to know what the Bible means here? Uh, Pure, I got the idea. He says pure means genuine. Genuine. If verse 9 happens, verse 10a, then you'll be a genuine Christian. He says it means genuine. Quote, it may have originally meant tested by sunlight. Tested by sunlight. He says in the ancient world, dishonest pottery dealers. Pottery. All size, shapes. Dishonest pottery dealers filled cracks in their inferior products. Got some higher line. Got a lower line. What do we do with this lower line? It's got cracks in it. He says they would fill... The cracks with wax before glazing and painting them. Making worthless pots difficult to distinguish from expensive ones. In other words, when you put hot liquid into the cheaper stuff, it's going to eventually melt the wax and start leaking. This thing sweats a lot. No, dude, that thing's just straight up leaking. Where'd you get that? I just got it two months ago, brand new. Paid high dollar for it. MacArthur says the only way to avoid being defrauded was to hold the pot to the sun. Don't buy pottery on cloudy days. That's my words. (laughs) The only way to avoid being defrauded was to hold the pot to the sun, making the wax-filled cracks obvious. And then he says, dealers marked their fine pottery that could withstand sun. I'm going to hold this up to the light. Have at it, buddy. Hold it up there. Noon. Have at it. I'm confident in that one. What about this one? I'm confident in that one. He says, dealers marked the fine pottery that could withstand sun testing as, hear these two words, Sinacera. Sinacera. Without wax. Sinacera. Sincere. Genuine. March will mark 10 years when I went to China. We went to one of these little markets. The pastor that led our group told all the kids in the Christian school. Nike had come out with this thing, I think, maybe the year previously. I'm not sure. I'm not a shoe expert. Some people around here are. Um, but, so Nike had come out with these new shoes called Nike Shocks. And they were selling like $100. But the pastor of our group said, hey, kids, when you go in here, they're going to have like Nike Shocks. I'm telling you, if you pay over $15, you're paying too much. You can probably get them for 10 So we went in there, and we got shocks for Erica and Jonathan. They were just little kids. We got shocks for Erica and Jonathan, $10. Woohoo! 
And I remember saying, are these real Nike shocks? And, and I, please pardon my Chinese dialect here, but bless Art's little girls be like, oh yeah, real leather, real leather. Oh, it's real leather, real leather. And they'd get the little, little lighter out and they'd wave it under the shoe. Oh, real leather. Okay, so we bought it. I found me a pair of shoes. Deanna hates them. I kind of like them. They look like bowling shoes. And I start, I say, hey, how much for these? Oh, $100. I said, no, I ain't doing that. Just get real here. I'm thinking $10. Like, no, no, no. She said, you, you offer a ridiculous price. I said, no, you offer a ridiculous price. And I said, how much? And she said, this much. And I said, no, I'm not paying. I kept way down here. And finally she goes, 80. I said, no, way down here. She says, 60. I said, no, I kept hitting my same number. She finally come down to 30. And I remember her. I said, no, I like this. She said, no, real leather. I said, right, real leather. And I hold up the shocks. Real leather. Here's what she says. Real leather. Real leather. Those real leather. This real leather. Oh, see, real, not real, okay, genuine. Jeff, what's your point? Look at verse 10. And so, be pure, genuine, sincere, sun-tested, and blameless for the day of Christ. Write this down. On the day of Christ, this is a real event that's coming. Your life, I'm telling you, this is going to happen. You may not make it to work tomorrow, but this event's going to happen. Your life will be held up to the light of Christ's evaluation. Will your efforts, you say, I've been serving God a long time. I've been doing a lot for the Lord. Will your efforts hold up to the light evaluation of Christ? He's bright and He's going to put it to the test. I'm not talking about heaven or hell. I'm talking about Christians. Are you going to have a reward? What's going to be your rank? What's your placement in eternity? It depends on what you've done in this life. Many people are going to find what they've done for the Lord just burned up like wood, hay, and stubble. Or will it be gold, silver, precious metals that can handle the test? I know this. If verse 9 happens, verse 10 will happen. You will pass the test. And the ultimate result of Paul's prayer is verse 11. We will become spiritually fruitful and glorify God. Did you catch it? If verse 9 happens, that pool fills up. It spills over into verse 10's two parts. If that happens, verse 10, you've approved the excellent things because of your loving knowledge of God. You've approved the excellent things. You're going to pass the test of the Son of God and His light on your life. The ultimate result will be you will have a fruitful life. You will have been having. You will arrive at the day of Christ with fruit that remains. I ask you this question in closing. Could your life be described as fruitful? You say, I'm on my way to heaven. Honest, guys. Honest. Have you served God? I'm not talking about getting saved. Have you served God? How? If you're sitting there saying, oh yeah, I serve God. How? Have you been influential in making disciples for Christ? Are you growing in godliness like we talked about we should expect last week? You say, Jeff, I want my fruit to remain. I want the things I've done in this life not to be wasted. I don't want to, okay, going to heaven, I know that, but I don't want what I've done just to be burned up with hay and stubble. I want it to mean something. I want some reward so that I can give those crowns right back to the Lord. I want to have something to give on that day. Listen, who produced the fruit that you think you have? Write that down. 
How do I know if my fruit's going to remain? Who produced it? Did you do it? Hey, worship team, is that you up here singing? Or is that God in you singing? Is it Jeff up here preaching? Is it you teaching in your class? Is that you giving? Or is that God giving through you? Is that you serving? Or is that God serving through you? Is that you encouraging and rebuking and instructing? Or is that God doing it? Second question we have to ask ourselves, I really want to know, is my fruit going to remain? Answer this question, who gets the glory? Does everybody walk away thinking how wonderful he is and how wonderful she is? Or do they honestly walk away saying, wow, all I know is when I'm around that person, I love Jesus more, I want to follow him more, and I know a little bit better how to do it. I'm done. Nothing. Nothing's more important in the Christian life than prayer. But for your prayers to be effective, you need those seven fundamentals that are on your handout. You need to grab. In fact, in a minute, can I have a couple of ushers? I got two big stacks of these. Can we just, uh, and David, could, uh, somebody, can I have two or three ushers just even right while I'm speaking? Grab these two stacks, 200 of them. Maybe get somebody at each door and let's just hand those. Tuck it in your Bible. I have one in every Bible I have that I use. I use three now. Last year I had two. I use three now. It's that important. You want the sincere, fruitful life that approves of the excellent things. Then put these fundamentals into your life and pray specific prayers like Paul does for the Philippians. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes. Yes, it takes time, but I'm going to advise you. I'm going to plead with you. Guys, pray five sentences after preparation and really speaking to God more than doing the same seven, eight, nine minutes you've been doing, maybe, to no one. Make it count. Would you pray the prayer of Paul with me? Would you pray it with me? Father, as I pray for our church, I ask, Lord, that each one of these individuals will pray this for themselves. God, I see love at Graceview, but Lord, I'm going to ask you, would you let the love that we have abound more and more? God, let us choose you over other things. Let us meditate, contemplate of your goodness, of your attributes. Lord, let us really strive to draw close. Lord, give us knowledgeable love. Grow us in our knowledge of you. Let these folks right now, right now, God, would you help me grow in my knowledge of you? Lord, would you help my love and the evidence of it towards you and toward my brothers and sisters in this world grow our love because we grow in knowledge of you? We know that will happen. Lord, let the fallout of that be that we are equipped to evaluate and approve not just the good from the bad, but Lord, let Graceview really focus. Let these individuals, God, let them pray right now. Lord, let me do the things that matter the most, the most excellent things. Only one life. Limited energy, Lord. Limited resources. Limited time. Limited money. Limited opportunities. Many people are calling. Do this, do this, help me. Lord, lead us to the ones that are the best. Your will for us. God, give us the courage to say no to things when it is right. Lord, we pray that. God, we pray that 
so that we will be found on the day of Christ to be genuine, sincere, sun-tested Christians with fruitful lives that you produced that bring glory to the Father.